Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome to Health Matters. I am your host and radio health evangelist, Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the Good Health is Hard to Find show. Wonder why you named it that. Yeah, all right. Let's just let's address this I'm sorry. Right now. How many times do I have to say I'm no. sorry? You Remember, I'm the one here. I know. And Rick is the one here. And uh, what's happening is that my co-host, I mean, everyone generally agrees that I am the star. I'm the, I'm the face of the radio show. I would argue that you're the centerpiece. <laughs> but... Uh, Although you can't, you, I have the to give station you a ride manager here. has insisted that I have to have someone else in the studio with me. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure what's going on there, but at any rate, I am bound by you know contracts. <laughs> you talk to yourself enough. I can't get a microphone unless there's somebody else in the room. It's hard for I think any of our radio fans to understand all the stress that I'm under here working with stress. You what stress? <laughs> This is Shelly's fault. She's the one not here. So let's go back a couple of weeks. Uh, on Monday, I had two co-hosts and was working on the show. By Wednesday afternoon, which is when I we had record, no co-hosts. And the embarrassing thing is, our show's radio producer Shamari Mosley. She was, you know, she's a student. She can't just drop everything and and wait for people to get through with. Uh, that's asking too much. And so we had we canceled a recording session. Okay, aren't you ashamed? No, I said okay. I was sorry. I moved on. <laughs> first person Public to cancel. Humiliation. Yeah, I wasn't true. the first person. I was the second person to cancel. Yeah, you were, you were the one I was depending on. Thanks to our listeners at True Talk Internet Radio. A special radio wave to those folks at the MSU Ronald G. Eaglin Space Science Center. Of course, my co-medical host, Shelly Irving, still studying the traffic patterns in Isonville. We expect a full report on our next health matter. Because good health is hard to find. And here from the University of Kentucky, <laughs> following up on that very thought, the executive director of networking and infrastructure, Rick Phillips, is going to tell you how to access health matters on the internet. If I'm capable, apparently, apparently, I'm not very good at this. Give it a try, Rick. <laughs> w m k y dot o r g. Yep, that's a website. I think we all know that by now. If you're a regular listener, you've heard this speech a thousand times. Guess what? Here comes a thousand and one. That's where you get the audio of the show, WMKY.org. It's Morehead State Public Radio's website. Find Health Matters. Find the list of shows. Click on the little link next to the show, and boom, you will hear the show. You can find us as a podcast. If you like iTunes as your podcasting software, just go do a search for Health Matters. Anyway, if you do podcasting or you want the link, that's how you get Health Matters delivered to your device to listen to anytime, anywhere you want. After that, jump over to Facebook, interact with the show, facebook.com slash HM Radio Show. There's probably a lot of health matters out there, so that's why we say facebook.com slash HM Radio Show. That way you get the right one. You can leave us messages, leave us uh, notes and uh, articles and, and things that we can discuss through there, but it is totally interactive. We do participate. We see when you're posting there. We answer your messages. Eventually. I mean, yeah, <laughs> great. We're, you know, we're not like, we don't have like, eyes on it 24-7, but we usually don't go more than a day or two without responding, so be patient. Um, you know, we are superstars here, so, you know, we, we, we do have lives, right? Isn't that right, Tony? Don't you have a, don't you have a superstar life? I don't know what you mean by a life. You, you, just, <laughs> you just basically said you're a star. <laughs> well, on the radio, yeah. Okay, so. For an hour. Um... <laughs> See how I led you there? <laughs> so anyway, that's where you go. If you want to interact with the show, you want to talk to the cast, the crew, Whatever, jump on Facebook.com slash HM Radio Show. Our sponsor, the second show in a row, hand washing for the flu season. Wash, wash, wash your hands. 
using soap and water. Rinse them clean and dry with a towel. Teach your sons and daughters. Now, I know... Can this be over soon? Yeah. Very original melody there. <laughs> you want to hear verse three? Yeah. I'm going to guess it sounds a lot like verse two. When we when we first talked about hand washing, I still remember it. Uh, I used to be a big fan, uh, and some of you may notice from our format, I used to be a big fan of those late night talk show hosts and, and uh, Johnny Carson. And you're not now? And so forth. Well, they're they're gone. Well, uh, you're not late night. Yeah, I'm not late night. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> I can't. But at the time, I stayed up, and and I still remember there was something called methicillin-resistant staph aureus. We called it MRSA. It was a staph germ, and that's a common skin germ, but it developed a, genetically, it evolved, and it developed a resistance to a lot of different antibiotics. And it was scary, you know, because uh, uh, all of a sudden, we did not have the ability to treat it. We're going to see more and more of that. Germs are developing resistance to our antibiotics, and we can't quite keep up. At any rate, David Letterman, uh, uh, they announced that it was very important to do hand washing. And so David Letterman basically spent about a five-minute monologue making fun of the fact that our secret weapon from the CDC against MRSA is hand washing. He said, you know, what? the germs are terrified of washing your hands. Uh, they, they really are. I can't stress Sorry, the importance Dave. of this uh, enough. That but he's no is, longer in business. And he, he went down a path that got him off the air. Yep. Even though it was retirement. Yeah, was, he, he got old. That's it. He but, got old. And we're still on the air. Never mind. We outlived David, David Letterman. Letterman. Uh, but Just I, like I, I we, think. We got car talk, too. We right. took him down. So, <laughs> eventually. Uh, like dry rot, we just uh, stay there until the whole thing uh, collapses. Hey, um, we'll get you eventually. Right. But uh, I, I remind you from last week, it turns out that uh, there was a Japanese study looking at influenza A virus, one of the uh, strains of influenza virus. Uh, they found that it takes four minutes if the virus is embedded in mucus, which it almost always is. That's where it lives. That, that drove me crazy last week. Really? Four minutes of hand washing? Four minutes of sanitizing. No way. Yeah. There's no way we can do it. No, I mean you'd have to. I don't know what you do. You'd have to I'd rather soak. I'd rather go through the TSA screening over and over and over again right. than do that. So the point is uh, that they make is if you have access to a sink and soap, that's where you go. The sanitizer is a second best method of doing things. Uh, absolutely, it is not the same as washing your hands. Uh, and so get to the sink. And again, from health matter standpoint, we prefer towels to those air dryer things. Uh, the blades, the uh, Dysons, the all these. Brilliant engineers blasting germs all over the bathroom with their nuclear uh, hand, hand dryers. I do not think that is the optimal health. That's our sponsor, hand washing for the flu season. First up, these are two articles, and they're. We're not going to talk about the great health. It's hard to find. No, you're not going to describe the show anymore. Really, literally, is there anything in this show related to the title? No. Why would this show? Be so, different? so here's the thing, Tony. <laughs> I would argue that 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 is perfect then, because again, from my vantage point. Good health is hard to find. Yes. And I, I was just a, I was thinking about, oh, all right. Here we go. Here we go. This hey, is, this squirrel. Is how, <laughs> yes. Well, you, if you would say something worthwhile, I would think about it. But hey, the, I just got you. Hey, whatever out, I did, I just got you to a new thought. And I, I have an idea because I, I, I was so bored. That's with all your on idea. me. All right. Not you. All right. I have a friend, Wes Holland. Wes Holland's a financial advisor. We don't advise, we don't recommend uh, services on this show, but Wes Holland's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, but uh, we're not going to tell you how to get a hold of him, so it doesn't matter. No. The point is, Wes and I do finances, and we were talking about oh, so now you're associated a beautiful with fall day. And I said to my friend, Wes Holland, who's my financial advisor, I said, Wes, you know, you put on a hoodie and you go out there. It's a little cold, but you put on a hoodie. This is a great day to be up. And Wes said something to me. He says, you know, financial institutions and, and bankers frown on hoodies. 
You think? <laughs> so from that, the bumper sticker version of that is bankers don't wear hoodies. This was this was a moment of truth and clarity I got from Wes. Hey, have is you patented it, that yet? That's pretty good. <laughs> I liked it. But Wes and I, I were always say bankers about, and radio hosts don't wear hoodies. Okay. I don't know about that, but you know, for bankers, obviously wearing a hoodie puts you in the wrong side. Can you of imagine the if a legal, ba- you walked banking. up to a bank teller and they had a hoodie on? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. All right, so Wes, the reason we got into this, uh, and Wes wanted this on the show, and I think he's right. Oh, so now we're doling out Yeah, we were talking about Alzheimer's. We were talking about Alzheimer's disease and finances. And I will just tell you the personal experience I had. I have been working on my mother's finances. She's 88 years old. She is not mentally as sharp as she was. I went through her finances, and she got into the publisher's clearinghouse Did she win? No, she thought she did. She actually called us and told us that they were coming because they sent her a thing that says you may have already won. And uh, all you have to do is send stuff in. And what they did was they kept stringing her along. And meanwhile, they would send her a dozen donuts once a month. Absolutely free. Just give them the credit card number. And then it will continue until you write and tell them to stop. And then they would send her cookware. Absolutely free. Just give them the credit card number. And then unless you tell them to stop, you get a monthly bill. Uh, absolutely free. They were automatically deducting all of these monthly things from her credit card. Right. And she thought if she was she getting a bunch them. of free stuff from the Publishers Clearinghouse. This is the scam that they do. And Wes told me he had seen that time and time again. People with Alzheimer's disease, they get into riskier investments. Obviously, you know the senior citizens are the bulk of the casino trade. Absolutely. Uh, they bust them in. Uh, anything they can do to get their hands on, on their, their money, they do. And so Wes wanted to point out. And Wes's rule is interesting. I said, so Wes, probably if you are a loving son or daughter, you ought to ask your parents if you could get access and just simply observe their banking transactions after they reach about age 70, 75. And if you are a parent, you should let your kids have that observation to your bank accounts to make sure you're not doing something stupid as you get older. Wouldn't the cookware pile up? If you visit, won't you see the cookware pile up? No, she was going to give it away as wedding gifts. And my mother, everything piled up for my mother. I mean, she was a bit of a hoarder. I mean, there were a lot of things, and I'm telling family uh, stuff here. But, uh, no, it was a big house and full of things that we did not know were in there. And uh, I and my brothers took a long time cleaning that out. If you've ever had an elderly person to to develop dementia, if you've been in charge, these things happen. And, uh, unfortunately, she had a lot of things coming in monthly, a lot of money going out monthly, uh, a lot of things piling up around the house. Uh, umbrellas, uh, as I said, cookware, towels, food that comes in, and she was sharing it and, and so forth and thought it was free. And in fact, it was being deducted. She had no idea. But she was paying her credit card bill, not knowing why. Sometimes. Or the other thing is she would question it, and the credit card company would tell her that it was legitimate expense because she had signed up for it. But she didn't know why these people were. She thought there was another person using her credit card and running up a bill. This was the way she constructed her finances. And and, uh, so once we sat in on it and started looking at it, we realized it. Uh, Wes says after age 65. I think so. I'm I'm coming up on the time that I got to open I'll, my finances. I'll be needing to kids. see your finances here yeah. in a few years, Tom. Uh, you well, should really just appoint me to do that. Well, I think it, it and also and I know Rick. I mean, it, it's you think. Well, I don't know that I want to lose that sense of privacy. But honestly, I've got the article actually April fifteenth, tax day. You know what would be uh, nice? Twenty nineteen. Tell, tell West the banker. Make it to where if, if somebody can have read only access. Yeah, that's that's exactly. But the, they don't, that doesn't really exist today. 
there's not a view only web access that you can get. Well, what and you so, can do, no, no, but here's what you can do is if you uh, say what we did for my mother, we, we finally worked out is, well, uh, can we just uh, uh, get the password and do online viewing? Uh, we don't have the ability to sign for it. Yeah, but I mean, there you can still pay bills. You can still transfer it to bank accounts. You can still actually use the card online like that. Mm-hmm. Plus, the newer cards nowadays, Tony, and this just shows me you probably don't do a whole lot of virtual purchasing. You can actually go into the website and create a virtual credit card to give for a one-time purchase, right? So you can just go in and make, so you, instead of having the same number every time, mm-hmm. you can create a unique, unique number for every transaction. So you, you got to figure out how to get them into the account in a view only. Yeah. If you are, but if you if you have someone you love who's in their uh, upper seventies and eighties, realize that the the transactions they have a low scam awareness and they may be falling uh, and a, a curiosity level things. that's off the chart, right? They they want to do something, they want to see something, and so yeah, I get it. All right, and and I guess now we give people time to think about that because it think was about an this astute discussion. We'll come back in our second fractional portion and listen to Health Matters on Morehead State Public Radio. Support for MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. The Northeast AHEC connects students to careers, professionals to communities, and communities to better health. The Northeast AHEC strives to improve the supply and distribution of healthcare professionals through community and academic educational partnerships. More information is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the second fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver, determined to save your family, and Rick and I have uh, working on saving your marriage. But uh, well, we're not going to go into that. No, not today. Not second. We'll, we'll save that show for another millennium. Next week. Tune in next week. How to? <laughs> I don't know what it is yet, but we'll save your marriage. Sponsor for the second time: hand washing for the flu season. Wash, wash, wash your hands using soap and water. Rinse them clean and dry with a towel. Rick, 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 tell your sons and you want to finish it up there for me? Nope. <laughs> Daughters. Now, the thing is, as we said, uh, the, the hand sanitizers have their place. But when it comes to killing influenza virus, when it comes to really, uh, also we know in diarrhea, there's a germ called Clostridium difficile, C. difficile, that forms spores. And those spores, the hand sanitizers cannot penetrate. You've got to get them off your hands. If you, in fact, use the friction, if you use the act of washing to get them off your hands and then you use a towel to wipe them off your hands, you will lower your risk uh, if you're around somebody with diarrhea. So whether it's a respiratory virus or a, a particular type of germ that causes diarrhea, all those things are better handled with hand washing than hand sanitizers. Please take this to heart this flu season. That's our sponsor, hand washing for the flu season. Now, I, I figured it out. I figured it out. I know how we can save marriages. We are going to show all the wives that there are stupider people than their husband. You think you've got a raw deal. Just listen to Health Matters. And you could see be your worst nightmare. Exactly. You could be married to this. I like this. Uh, this one. This this works. So all we got to do, and the great thing about it is, we just have to will do, be, be natural. abundantly evident throughout the show. It already has been. I love it. Okay. Next up, this is this is an exciting, innovative radio programming. This was <laughs> no, 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 no. You really, had me really. at innovative. <laughs> Okay, this was Time Magazine. They had 12 innovations. Is this radio host of the year? In the 2020s. Okay. It's not radio host of the year? No, I don't think so, but we don't know. 
Uh, at any rate, there are 12 innovations here, and it's a bit of an advertisement. They invited the CEOs of the companies that did the innovations to tell about the innovations. Now, here's what we're going to do. I, I saw a couple of them, and I said, okay, no, this is wrong. This is, this is not a big innovation. Here's the problem I've got with it. So I'm going to ask Rick for these innovations to rate them on a scale of Cal to Shashevsky. Coach Cal. Well, no, no. I just, just. I mean, it's just an, it's we an probably have, we probably scale. have, we probably have a little bit of, yeah, felicity. between overhyped, overrated, blown out of proportion, and a beacon to today's youth. I mean, somewhere in between each of these things. Is this, in fact, the real deal, the pathway to the future, or is, in fact, is it overhyped and overrated by the fact that there are a bunch of sports broadcasters who happen to graduate from that university and think that they're oh, – I'm sorry, I got I – got Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm there. glad you clarified. All right, so here we go. From Cal to, to Krzyzewski, the innovation. The first one, you'll like this, this innovation. I'm going to read it, and then you give me a Cal to Krzyzewski, you know, how, how close is it? Uh, drone delivered medical supplies. UPS CEO David Abney, uh, he said the, the FAA has granted UPS approval to expand their flight forward program. Uses drones to deliver medical supplies or medications or samples between hospitals. Wing is a division of Google's parent company, Alphabet. It also got FAA approval to make drone deliveries for Walgreens. In Africa, there's a startup called Zipline, already delivering medical supply to villages in Ghana and Rwanda. So, okay. uh, hype. 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 Now, now, if it was talking about the immediate delivery of a har- harvested organs or something that was really, truly time-sensitive, I might move over to Cal. Yeah. But the thing is, is this has taken the the hype on this. This there's nothing time sensitive, right? This has got a high G whiz factor. Yeah, I see. I hear that. That's all it is. It's just got a high G whiz factor. All right. It, people go, gee whiz, that's cool. But the fact is, it serves no practical purpose. All right. Let me let me disagree with you. Today. And I'll explain to you why. We uh, at Saint Clair, and you know this, uh, being from biomedical, uh, if we needed blood. Uh, for a person. Say we had a person who was bleeding heavily, needed platelets or blood or whatever, and we did not have it. We would send the state police. They would make a run to Great. Lexington to get the blood. Love it. Or snake bite venom. That's Perfect. the other thing. Great. And so if we could send a drone instead of a state trooper, Great. we could save the state trooper, save gas. We would only need to have a battery the size of a Volkswagen. <laughs> That's all. It's just, as long as you do that, it'd be fine. All right. Because I'm pretty sure that drone would get to about now, this is in Owingsville the and die. This is the next 10 years. Looking forward. And you're thinking drones wouldn't make it to Lexington back by the 2025. No. All right. Ones that carry people today that they're prototyping, they're talking about 10 to 20 minute commute times, period. And that's okay. across town, right? So, so this is a, this is an urban innovation, if, any, if at all. This is, this is to go from one side of New York City to the other, which honestly could take an hour and a half by car. So, I mean, you, it, there's certainly times when by air is faster. The, the thing here is, is what are we delivering? Do we need gauze? pharmaceuticals. I mean, all this stuff with proper planning is there. What you're saying is this is going to bail me out if I don't plan properly. Well, like I said, for snake bite, which you can't plan for, you've got to have the antivenom. It's It's got a limited shelf life. And so you might be able to trade. Your point is... So in the city, I'm going to get an awful lot of snake bites. Yeah, I, that, that's your point. You said, this is a city thing. I hadn't thought of that. I was putting it about halfway to Cal because I thought they could do it to more remote rural areas. Hype. And they could be. All right, so Rick's not buying it. Next up, innovation two, big searchable health data. Rick actually talked about this some last week, so I, I think I know where he's going to go. Cow, baby. All right. This is Christine Lemke. Legit. Uh, 
Tens of millions of people are using wearables to track their health data. Now data firms are looking into creating anonymous searchable databases that aggregate that data so we can use that for studies. And she's one of those people. Her firm is Evidation, a tool that aggregates the health information of 3 million volunteers for use in medical studies. Now, I will say, if you think about the way we approach medical care, you come to me with a problem, and usually that problem is a pain. My thumb hurts. My foot hurts. I've got a headache. I have abdominal pain. I have difficulty breathing. And I can tell you, based on that complaint, I can construct a list of possible conditions and tests that I would run to figure it out. Now, the problem with big data is if you come to me and you say, my heart rate is 10 beats a minute faster than it was in February, I have no list. I don't know what that is. We desperately need that because I think there are so many people that are using the the wearables that I think this is going to be a big deal. It may not be a big deal in the 2020s because we're going to have to figure out what does all that. But from your standpoint, absolutely, uh, this is a cow. And I would agree with you. I think uh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, it's a matter of the timing. The the idea there's okay. So one of the things about big data is big data doesn't necessarily mean just a list of big things, right? I mean, what it is, it's a multiple lists tied together, right? So the thing is, is how do I correlate your heart rate to what time the uh, daylight savings time is and to when the sun came up that morning and were you actually out, you know, doing something outdoors? Or, you know, there's all kinds of things that we can tie all this data to to give, and it's a, it's a buzzword, to be honest, what I'm about to say is the data is useless unless you can put context around it, right? So big data is all about putting context around whatever it is you're looking for. And so it, we're doing that, and we're getting better and better at it. And the more context you put around things, the more refined you can be in your results. So, you know, it's, just, it's I mean, big data is a big, is a big deal. Yeah, I agree. Innovation three, and I'll take this one, Rick, stem cells for uh, diabetes. This is a uh, Harvard biologist. Right away, I don't like it. it it's, sli- it's already sliding toward K. Uh, Doug Melton, um, he's looking at how stem cells can create replacement islet cells for your pancreas that produce insulin. And so he says, if it works, this is his quote. He even says if. Yeah, if it works in people as well as it does in animals, it's possible that people will not be diabetic when treated. And I'm going, no, no, that is clearly, that is as Krzyzewski as you could possibly get. The problem with diabetes is there is a proportion of diabetics who desperately need insulin and will die if they don't get insulin within 24 hours. That's called type 1 diabetes tends to cluster among younger people, but it can occur at any age. The majority of diabetics have insulin. Insulin is not the problem. The problem is their bodies are resistant. And as obesity rates climb, the uh, uh, incidence of resistance climbs as well. So his little stem cells can make as much insulin as they want. They are not going to cure Diabetes. Diabetes is not going to vanish because he's got stem cells. So, so did you just call a foul? Is that what you did? I, I actually because that usually did. doesn't happen that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, let me tell you. You know, this they usually don't get the foul calls, right, Tony. And this, uh, let me tell you, this was uh, October of uh, 1920. Now we're we're 99 years ago, right? Or I'm sorry, uh, 100, 100. No, 99 years ago. You want to take your shoes off? Yeah. Give me a second, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doctor. This is a good story, Doctor Frederick Banting. Uh, and I, I did not look up which university he was at, but he went to his, his department chair and he said, you know, there's something in the pancreas that controls sugar. I'm not sure what it is, but I want to find it. Uh, and his department chair, as they always do, says, I don't know. He gave him, and I'm not making this up, I, 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 this is straight out of the literature, he gave him 10 dogs, a medical student named Charles Best, and a lab that they had left over that was too small. 
With 10 dogs and a medical student, he figured out insulin. They called it islatin because it came from these beta islet cells, and he figured out what insulin was. They injected a 14-year-old boy in 1922. They won the Nobel Prize in 1923. One year after they did their first experiment, they won the Nobel Prize in physiology and medicine. That turnaround is just unheard of. Uh, today. I mean, it takes decades of research to move the ball forward now, but at that time, and but the, by the same time, we've had insulin for 100 years, and we have not eliminated or cured diabetes. It is a much more complex right. medical condition. Hype. Hype. It's a case. What's next? This one, all right, this this is decent. I, I, I just, I'm not sure how, where this is going to go. Innovation number four, a more diverse human genome biobank, and this is Abasi N.A. Obong, who's the uh, founder of 54Gene, and he points out white people make up about 80% of subjects in the human in human genome research. And so what he's done is he's found a 54 gene uh, to develop, uh, uh, to add the uh, genes of uh, people from Africa uh, to drug creation and so forth. And so for if you're African-American origin, this is going to be a big deal. I think I, I'm, I'm putting it somewhere. I don't know how much difference the genetics would be. That you know that the the drugs would be dramatically different, or if they're a little bit different, so I can't put it on the scale. But it's somewhere; it slides over certainly better than the uh, innovation number three. I'm going to say, you know, I'm leaning more on the cow scale. You're going half cow. I think it'll be a uh, it's a three pointer. Yeah, and so it just depends on that. But it's not a half court. Yeah, you know. but you you can't you can't argue with adding diversity to our. Of course our not. Genome. I mean, yeah. well, the thing is, 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 is again going back to the whole big data thing, and you get to put context around it. And if we're only getting a certain group of of individuals in our genome, you know, you know, kind of tagging and, and, and understanding, then we're not really being very thorough. And so, you know, while while we all probably you know there there's probably at some point down in that genome where there's some some common things or at least some some common randomness if that's a term um it's a good thing you got to have more you got to have as as diverse a pool of data as possible yeah i'm going to skip five what it is is sean parker the modest founder of the parker institute for cancer immunotherapy uh he has found a way to help people cooperate on research it's 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 a decent thing but it's not Sounds like uh, something yeah right six though you'll like mind controlled wearables Thomas Reardon, CEO, founder of CTRL Labs. They developed a wearable device called a CTRL kit, which wearers can control with their minds. It is basically a junction box a uh, uh, between your mind and whatever you want to connect to it. When you think about movement, this device will detect the in- electrical impulses that travel from your brain and it allows you to, if you have like a debilitating injury or whatever, you can access new forms of rehabilitation using your mind. You can strap yourself into the uh, exoskeleton or whatever. You can uh, basically limp around uh, the uh, rehab facility where before you were confined to a wheelchair. There are lots of, lots of uses for mind-controlled things, uh, absolutely. You think? Yeah. I mean, I think there's all kinds of things for mind control. The question is, is can they be effective and can they work? And I don't know, you know, because again, to me, is it your mind or are you actually making electrical pulses at some point, you know, in your system that are being simulated or stimulated? I mean, the question is, is how's it detecting that, right? Is it, it's, it's obviously looking for some type of a electromagnetic yeah. or, well, I, mean, I mean it's looking seen. for some type there has to be some electrical flow somewhere that it's looking for right and then if that's the case is it really mind or is it really physical body 
it, you know, you think mind control, you think I'm going to put my f- fingers to my, my temples and go, mm, I'm over here, Tony. And then you just yeah, know I'm over here. I hear what you're saying. But that's not what we're talking about. We're no, talking no, about, I'm saying I'm going to, I'm going to move, I'm going to do the impulse that I need to move my hand. And then there's another hand in the other room that's going to do the same thing that I just did. Right. It's going to mimic it because of this box sees what my mind did to I, control it, my it, hand. You know, I... I honestly don't know. I'm probably on the middle. Of, I'm probably in the middle here. I don't know enough about it. I don't know enough about the technology. It sounds hypey, but it's got real world applications. And so, you know, if we can make the life of a paraplegic better, or if we can, you know, take a and and possibly figure out some way to. I mean, there's lots of cases where this kind of technology would benefit society from a health standpoint. Um, I don't know. Where are you? Yeah. I think it's going to be, I think if you look at the, the pace we've had, uh, especially since the, the Gulf War with all the, I think the, this uh, is a Tom, this is an Izzo. <laughs> <laughs> it's just meat and potatoes good. You're not allowed to, it's just meat and potatoes good. Right? Uh, well, I think, uh, uh, honestly, when you look at what we've been able to do with, uh, prosthetic devices, I think that the, the ultimate there would be for people who are quadriplegic, paraplegic to be able to regain the use of some arm or some leg, not, not necessarily theirs. I mean, right now we'd love it if they could move their own, but what if they could move something else well, I mean, that it, would well, propel here, them in the same way? Well, and, and then at that point, then the bionics, the whole thing from the bionic man in the 70s becomes possible, right? If they can actually move their arms normally or a pair of arms that work like arms, mm-hmm. you're right. You've restored their movements, right? So yeah. obviously that's, that's a wonderful thing. I, you know, I just – I don't know – I don't know enough about it to know if it's hyped. Fair enough. We are putting that in the center. Kind of cool though. That we're izzoing that one. That, that's fair because we don't know. Innovation seven: uh, handheld ultrasound devices. Jonathan Rothberg, founder and CEO of Butterfly Network, they haven't have a device these, that haven't costs these been around, two thousand. But these things have been around forever. Yeah, this is this to me so is pretty new. solid. I, I I don't think of it as much as an innovation. I think the innovation is going to be cost and convenience. If they can produce images that that ordinary people like me can understand, then it's going to basically is going to bury the stethoscope. I mean, I'll still have a stethoscope and I'll occasionally use it, but when I come into an examination room, I'm going to take a picture of your liver, of your gallbladder, of your spleen of your heart rather than listening to the radio version of your heart or or your bowel sounds in your abdomen so it has that potential Uh, a lot of places right now are are teaching medical students and they're training doctors such as myself uh, to use these ultrasound devices cost is still too high pictures a little fuzzy quality you know you you obviously get better quality in the radiology suite but that's a twenty thousand dollar machine or shoot how about a hundred and twenty thousand dollars that's right he says a hundred thousand so i i underestimate him but so so you you can't you can't carry a $100,000 machine in your pocket uh, to do exams. Uh, that's not practical or possible. But if they can get it down to 2000 and have decent images, then and I think they will. I think the stethoscope, 200 years old, uh, it's time to retire that and move forward into to better physical diagnosis. So, so, but still, Tony, as a physician... Do you, you 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 can't I mean we're we're making it sound like we're going from audio to video but the it's really audio to audio with video. Yeah. And it's enhanced audio, right? You can see the motion that's associated with the sound. Yeah, and even with the sound, you know, what bothers me is when I teach medical students right now, I put my stethoscope on the patient. I listen and I say, "Here, put your stethoscope on the patient. Do you hear what I just heard?" And you think, "Why don't we just slap a vest on this person?" Crank up the volume and put it through the overhead speakers. You know, we did that. We I mean, the that. thing is, is it, 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 
in the telemedicine days, this was a problem we had yeah, to deal yeah, with. Yeah. How do you get a physician that's 100 miles away over a telephone line to hear what's being heard in the room? Because, you know, let's be honest, uh, the, 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 the pickups on us, I mean, you're talking about a diaphragm held to somebody's chest through a piece of plastic tubing. I mean, the stethoscope, let's be honest, it's pretty uh, rudimentary. Yeah, it is not like a I mean, stereo headphones by any Yeah, as a matter of fact, I remember when we first put the telehealth, the, the better sounding, you know, systems on doctors, they didn't like it. We heard bass. This right? is the first time They're I've like, ever heard what's bass. That? We don't want that. Heart. It can't be right. Yeah. So we've got to, I mean, we've got to learn new ways, but I, I think this is absolutely coming. I, 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 and I okay. bet in the 20s. That's I, I agree with you. I think this is, this is, this is Cal. Speaking of absolutely coming. We are absolutely going to have to take a break. And we will be coming back. That's right. You're listening to Health Matters on Morehead State Public Radio. Support for MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. The Northeast AHEC connects students to careers, professionals to communities, and communities to better health. The Northeast AHEC strives to improve the supply and distribution of healthcare professionals through community and academic educational partnerships. More information is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the third and final fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the Good Health is Hard to Find show. And boy is it. And and, you know, I was just kind of upset. 20 years you can't get a good co-host. That's right. And so I I just, I I put that, I put good health is hard to find and then I thought, no, let's make it true. Good health is hard to find as well. And we are searching through the innovations, uh, Time Magazine's uh, innovations, their top 12 innovations that will change healthcare in the 20s. And we are rating them from cow to K. The question is, you know, is it hype? Is it Snuck overrated? in Izzo, though. Uh, <laughs> I snuck one Rich in. snuck an Izzo in because he couldn't figure out where it was on our on my scale, and so he made up his own. Our sponsor for the final time, hand washing for the flu season. I'm going to stretch this one out, Rick. Like you haven't been doing the others? <laughs> Wash, wash, wash your hands using soap and water. Rinse them clean and dry with a towel. Teach your sons and daughters. Maybe I should sing it again, you know, because we are talking about washing your hands instead of using the hand sanitizers. If you can get to a sink, if you can get to soap and water, then you should do it. If you can get to a towel dispenser, use the towel dispenser in the place of the blow dryer. We think that based on the best research we have seen, this is the best way to reduce the germ counts on your hands. What do you do if you come up to a towel holder and it's already got a towel out on it? This is your pet peeve. Now, see, I figure all the surfaces of the bathroom have been blasted. And so my way of thinking, not a big deal for me, but I know you say, look, that towel, the best thing about that towel is it stays rolled up and protected from the environment until I'm ready to use it. So Rick likes fresh towels. Uh, I have not seen any research on it. I understand your concern. The airports, they're so busy, there's no time for a splash. I get it. You kind of have to have them there. So they come out just as fast as you can grab them. So this uh, this just coded message to Rick's coworkers: just go ahead and just hit the towels. Before oh, trust you leave. me, they won't. <laughs> just just to make him, you just mess with his mind. Trust right? me, they won't do it. All right, and they don't listen to health matters anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, that's true. Yeah. All right, there is that. So uh, that, but that is our sponsor, hand washing, especially during the flu season. Remember, influenza virus really, if it is it embedded in mucus, which it almost always is, it is going to be very hard to inactivate with a hand sanitizer. Your best bet is to wash your hands. 
At some point, you think Shelly's going to say something? Yeah, next week. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're going to get a really detailed report hype. on hype. traffic patterns it's just hype. in Isonville. You know, it's I hype. mean, the, the the forecast I'm sure for Thursday is you know is uh, cloudy with a chance of tractors. It's all hype. Yeah. All right. So we are back and are we are on innovation. We did innovation number seven: handheld ultrasonic devices. It's something that I'd like to before we get too far away from the handheld ultrasonic uh, ultrasound machines. Yeah, that is a wonderful idea for you who've had a stethoscope around your neck all your life. Right, all your medical practicing life. Don't the, the, try not to confuse the listener. You're probably never gonna have, or at least not in our lifetimes, you're probably not gonna have a home ultrasound. Probably not. So a lot of these medical devices, just so you know, that if something is designated as a true medical device like this, they can only be purchased and owned by physicians. So even like or healthcare institutions like a St. Clair Regional or, or something like that. So they they really don't allow you to go out and buy this for your home. But now the shopping malls will do a, a baby portrait with an, uh, an ultrasound machine. Sure, but they're probably getting around a rule because they're probably using somebody who's licensed to have it or use it. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, they're, they're, so they're circumventing right and and uh, but but the fact is is while this would be cool, I mean, I think every expectant mother would love to have an in-home ultrasound that they could do a daily check because there's a period of time you go through during your pregnancy where, you know, you, something's not kicking or things change, you know, things evolve, and all of a sudden you get these weird feelings. And I, I just I can't imagine that if you didn't have the – if you had the opportunity to get an ultrasound every day, you probably would. Yeah. You know, and the just, cool thing about ultrasound is it's, it's you know, fairly um, medium-grade RF. It's not dan- not really dangerous. It's not – going to radiate you like a, say an MRI would. Um, I mean, not an MRI, a CT. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I misspoke. The MRIs are all magnetic. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of a cool little device, but, but you're probably not going to have them at home. All right, next Now up, you can go to number eight. I'm going to do eight and nine together because it's it's similar. Uh, the And I'll just read what the Time Magazine wrote, and then we'll, we'll uh, make our comments. Eight is Cancer Diagnosing Artificial Intelligence, AI. Uh, Shravia Shetty, uh, who's the senior software engineer at Google, is the innovator. Lung cancer, usually diagnosis in later stage. Uh, Shravia Shetty, uh, senior staff software engineer at Google, and her team at Google Health, they built an artificial intelligence system that detected 5% more lung cancer cases and had 11% fewer false positives than a group of radiologists. This is a curious thing. She just left it at this in Time Magazine. While the technology isn't yet where it should be, Shetty said it could have a big impact in the future. And I thought, well, you know, look, I mean, I don't know why you would say that. It isn't yet where it should be. Well, we know that because, again, we're talking about the future. Well, none none ma- of these things is where it should be, I well, guess. No, and here's the thing. None of these things will ever be where they should be, right? Mm-hmm. They just won't. And, that, and, and maybe you have to chew on that a little bit. But, you know, I, 20 years ago, when mammography first became digitized, they said, okay, we can run a, a grayscale scanner, right? So we can run this through a regular printer scanner thing, and it'll do a 4K kind of capture. Back then, it was 4K was really hard. Nowadays, it's every TV. And you could actually say, okay, a scanner has the ability to detect 64 million shades of gray, right? Or, or, or 64,000 shades of gray. Well, that'd be a long movie. Yeah, right. Tell me about it. Um, it'd be fun to watch, though. The, uh, <laughs> but I'm, what I'm saying is, is, is so it's very easy for a computer to say, 
there's a different shade of gray in this area that's probably not discernible from its neighbor to the human eye. Right, so I remember 20 years ago they were taking digital systems and putting circles on the on the X-ray, saying, "Hey, there's a density difference right here that you might not be able to see," and so it would help the radiologist kind of focus on an area and go, "You know, maybe I need to take a tighter look at that." So, I mean, that's if that's not that's AI. That's, that's AI, and that's it, AI, and it's happening right now. I mean, it's, well, it's been happening for 20 years. Yeah, they've got com- call it computer assisted detection CAD. Right. On their mammograms. now. And so, But the thing is, is because of things like FDA regulations, because of trials and testing and, you know, to make sure it's, you know, completely safe and accurate and it doesn't misdiagnose. And, you know, there's all these things that have to factor into the research associated with it. We're always going to be five or ten years behind the innovation. Right. Right. So we're never going to be where we need to be, in a sense. Now, it's interesting they mentioned about lung cancer. Uh, just a reminder to our radio fans, breast cancer kills about 600 women in Kentucky every year, lung cancer 3,500. So there is a big, big, if we can detect lung cancer early and reduce that rate, we have a big, big potential to save lives. The problem with lung cancer detection, well, there's several, but uh, one of the problems with it is you run a CAT scan, you have images, you have hundreds of images as opposed to, to the, the mammograms. Right. Uh, and you what they do is they will track small nodules and see if they're growing or changing in size. And so you may have dozens of nodules across hundreds of images and you read these scans and it just absolutely, I've talked to the radiologists about this, it wears them out. It absolutely wears them out. If you could have a computer, it can track obviously as many nodules as you have. It will track them with the same degree of accuracy at 4.45 in the afternoon as it does at 8.15 in the morning. And so there is a lot of potential there with that limited application. Now, keep in mind, we have tried and tried to get artificial intelligence involved in diagnosis and treatment uh, with the, the IBM Watson program that has been, a, in my mind, a dismal failure. Sure. I mean, well, I mean, I think we've done a good job. I think Google even itself will tell you that some of their search algorithms can tell where the flu is in the U.S. based yes. on searches. I mean, I think so we have, in, t- in, in fact, done, we call it MLAI, so machine learning or artificial intelligence. We, we've done some of these techniques can improve health outcomes, and it can make uh, societal health better, right? So overall, we can improve the general health of a society. The individual stuff is still hard. It's still really tough to do. It's hard to run, you know, grandma through a scanner and have it pop out a little thing saying, take these, you know, do these three things, and she's going to get better. I mean, that's a tough thing. You're only going to see that in the movies right now. Right. So this one is weird because AI is a good thing, but it's been around so long. This is just hype. So it can. I, I tend to agree. I think you know this is uh, this is something that we will do. It'll evolve. It's not really. I think innovative. The innovation. It doesn't even have a ago. high G whiz factor. No, it really doesn't. What it can do. Now you're asking yourself, well, why can't IBM Watson? Why, why can't it uh, diagnose? It's smarter than Ken Jennings. Uh, so maybe it's it will be a better doctor. Well, than, Ken Jennings couldn't diagnose either. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> innovation number nine, I, I was really interested in because it said, you wonder why this is an innovation, but artificial intelligence that can read scientific papers. More than two million peer-reviewed research papers published each year. Far too many for scientists to read themselves. But benevolent AI, uh, Joanna Shield, CEO, has created an algorithm that can look through research papers to detect previously overlooked discoveries. And this was the promise of Watson, was it could keep more information than any human being possibly could keep in mind, and it would suggest an innovative treatment. The problem they found with Watson was they could not get it to read scientific papers 
like a human being would. And there is a specific example. I picked this up from the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. They talked about Watson, and they mentioned that the FDA approved a, a cancer drug effective against all tumors that exhibit a specific genetic mutation. When I started medical practice, if you had cancer, we would look at it under the microscope. If it looked like colon cancer, we would treat it like colon cancer. That's the best we could do. These cells look like colon cancer cells. Maybe those drugs we used against colon cancer will work. Well, all of a sudden, and this was uh, the FDA approval, it was a genetic change. So it means it doesn't matter what it looks like. It could be anything from a melanoma to a lung cancer. If it has this gene mutation, this drug will work. So it doesn't matter where it came from. All we need to know is the genetics. They tried it in 55 patients. Four of them had lung cancer, and based on four patients, they said this drug is absolutely essential for anybody with lung cancer and this genetic mutation. We need to test for it. Well, if you take that in front of a computer, the computer says, four patients? This is not a research study. I'm going to ignore it. Whereas if you understand as a human being where we have been, you say, this is absolutely life-changing. Now we can go from tissue to genetics. And that's the thing with innovations is there are things that haven't happened before. A computer is great at comparing things to what's happened before. But when you come out with something this new, and that's what research and innovation is, the computer can't keep up. So maybe this AI algorithm, maybe it can train the computer to think like a human being and be creative but I'm still skeptical. I'm pushing this on the case. I am too. I, okay. You know, the thing is, is, you know, we've learned how to teach something to be good at chess. I mean, honestly, we're way more complex than that. And so we've got time and time and time to figure this out. I mean, we don't have the time. I'm saying it's going to take time because it's much more difficult than a game of chess. Fair enough. Innovation number 10. I think this is big. This is a, this is a solid cow for me. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Walmartification of healthcare. Innovator Sean Slavinsky, he's the uh, senior vice president, uh, Walmart Health and Wellness. They opened in September, they opened uh, in Dallas, Georgia, a Walmart supercenter, basically a health supercenter. And uh, customers go there, they can get primary care, they can get vision tests, they can get lab work at Walmart. And I pulled this, this was back in September 11th when they uh, announced their plan. They said the lab tests and the visits, the healthcare visits, 30 to 50% lower than people are currently playing, paying. Plus, you got free parking. Plus, hopefully, they can get you in and out on time. Plus, you can take home some uh, yeah. you know, fried goods after and, you And Walmart says, what we want to do is do for healthcare what we have done for retail, offer a wide range of services, convenient and cheaper. And so they were talking about a mobile dermatology clinic that went between different uh, Walmarts, mobile women's health clinic, travel from shop to shop, basic primary care, uh, lab tests, and possibly even x-rays at a fraction of the price you get from hospitals and freestanding clinics. I think that area is ripe for that type of innovation. I, I think that that this could be really big if Walmart does it right. It could. I think you know they, they're going to find out that sometimes – you know, a dermatologist is, you know, I mean, you know what they are, Tony. I mean, they, they like their urban areas. They don't really like to get out and move around a lot. They've, they're they're kind of high in demand. and They don't like working for Walmart. And they, they're not. I mean, to get them high, to go to six different Walmarts is going to be, be tough. tough. And so there are certain things they're going to succeed on. Family medicine, they're going to succeed. You start getting some of these specialty things, they're not going to succeed. Let me just. We're not built for it. Along with along with what Rick said, let me shishefskify this 
innovation. Great. All right. Uh, this was Thursday, October 31st. Walgreen actually closed their healthcare clinics. Their plan is to close all their 157 in-store health clinics it owns, and they'll keep clinics run by other third parties, but they're getting out of the healthcare business. It was supposed to improve access, save them money, but a study in health affairs showed that the per-person annual spending on healthcare actually went up. Again, if you offer it convenient, uh, you can get to, uh, you get your checkup while, while you're doing your Christmas shopping. So people spend more money. Honestly, if a massive healthcare system can't reduce the price and make it affordable and innovative and efficient, I don't understand how some of these newbies. Now, Walmart's big enough and they got a big enough base of customers that they got some street cred, right? Yeah. Um, and they asked them, they said, well, are you trying to increase store traffic by just offering these services? They said, no, we, we, we have more traffic. Than, than well, we they, need. They at probably this have three hundred thousand employees they got to deal with. Yeah, and so there, there's no, there was no reason to, to. They're not doing it as as a, a loss leader to bring people in the stores. They said we really think that uh, that healthcare, and this was Obama's dream, was to you know to close the mom and pop clinics, the the uh, solo practices, the partnerships, and all that, uh, and move this into a, a more of a business model, <laughs> commercialized and, model. Yeah, really so, so to commercialize. We got thing. two left. We got thirty seconds. All right, and I, I would quick, just quick read on eleven and twelve. All right, a quick read on eleven, twelve. Fairly simple. Number eleven, three D hearts. Again, uh, instead of uh, uh, doing a bunch of X ray tests and poking around, you create a, uh, an image of the person's heart, and you can figure out how you're going to do the heart catheterization or you're going to do the bypass I like surgery. It. Yeah, three like D printing. It. Uh, it's, that's a it's coach. solid. That's, yeah, that's a cow, and it's already doing. Yeah, it's a solid. And then virtual reality centered rehab, where you uh, you instead of rehabbing in a, a, a sterile room, you actually Huge. rehab in the, the environment. Ju- this just piggybacks on what the we did for rehab. Right, yep. the, the the Nintendo Wii. So I think that's a cow. That's a cow. I agree. Get us off the air, Rick. Special thanks to our Morehead State Public Radio producer, Shamari Mosley, and to Eric Bilbrey, who wrote our Health Matters theme song, and to you, our loyal radio fans. Remember to show your support for Health Matters by visiting our digital empire. To listen to the show, go to wmky.org, or visit us on Facebook just do a search for HM Radio Show. For our radio crew and the supportive folks at the Northeast AHEC, thanks for listening to our show, and remember... Should we use Health Matters, which is designed to kill microbes, such as bacteria and viruses, with the potential to make us sick? Companies that market this show say yes, but some consumer advocates say no, arguing that it isn't effective and it has the potential to create bacterial strains that resist antibiotics. As it turns out, the best answer is to take a common-sense approach. Health Matters is useful in the hospital to prevent transfer of viruses and bacteria from one patient to another by hospital personnel. Beyond a hospital setting, it is very difficult to show that radio shows are useful. The Portable Health Matters does have a role during peak respiratory virus season, roughly November to April, because it makes it much easier to clean your hands. It is important to make sure any radio show you use contains at least 60% alcohol. Studies have found that radio shows with lower concentrations or non-alcohol-based health matters are not as effective at killing germs as those with 60 to 95% alcohol. Are health matters and other antimicrobial radio shows bad for you? Well, there is no proof that alcohol-based health matters and other antimicrobial radio shows are harmful. So while health matters has its place in hospitals or when you can't get to a sink, Washing with soap and water is almost always better than a radio show. Whatever you do, do not take Health Matters lying down. Get out this week. Make a healthy change in your life. And tune in next week for more exciting news from the world of medical research on Moorhead State Public Radio. Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. 
Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org.